This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We're going to begin this new sermon series called Finding Joy through the Letter to the Philippians. And I'm going to read to you our sermon text, Philippians chapter 1, 1 through verse 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us around your word, whether that's here in person or online. We thank you for the opportunity to, to dig into your word. Lord God, somehow Paul found joy no matter what the circumstances were. And so we pray, Lord God, that we leave here filled with the joy that Paul discovered. And don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of what your spirit is doing. In your name we pray. Amen. When I was a, a boy, I really struggled with, with terrible nightmares. I, I was nervous to even go to bed when I, was, when I was younger because I didn't know what kind of stories would be playing in my dreams. But my parents told me something that was really helpful. They said, you know, your dreams, your nightmares are really kind of your, 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 your thoughts. And so uh, change what your thoughts. Can you think of some of the most positive things that you can think of? And, and for me as a young boy, the most, the most joyful, positive, happy thing I could think of is watching my dog Ginger run across an open field. And so that's what I did. You know, when I had these nightmares, I would try to think about Ginger and playing with my dog, and it worked. I was able to kind of change um, those nightmares into good dreams in the middle of them because I, I changed my thought process. And, and that's what psychologists would call maybe um, cognitive behavior therapy. Um, and that's based on this whole idea of, of neuroplasticity, this idea that our brains are malleable, that, that maybe we have this negative thought process going and we're, we're kind of um, laying down a path of negativity in our brain. But then if we're able to kind of switch our thoughts to something positive, we can kind of really actually physically change our brain, physically change our brain structure as we start thinking different thoughts. This is the idea behind one of the characters in the Harry Potter series. J.K. Rowling wrote in the, this character called Dementors. 
if you are familiar with the movies or the books. And, and these Dementors are kind of these, these black ghost-like creatures that whenever they would come into your presence, the room would get cold and you would have these thoughts that things are never going to get better. They're, they're never going to become positive, never going to have a happy thought. And, and they would kind of almost suck the joy out of your life. And, and she said she wrote those characters in her books because she wanted to give the impression of what depression feels like. That this idea that my thoughts are never going to be happy again. I'm never going to have joy again. And in her books, the way to, to get rid of the dementors, you need to have a, a Patronus spell. And, and to have this spell, you had to think of the happiest thought possible. And then you could get rid of those dementors. Now that's good advice, to, to try to think as positively as possible, to have uh, joyful thoughts. But what if you're in 2020 and it's, too, it's hard to find things to be joyful about? What if all the things that, the nightmares that you dream about are, are feeling like they're becoming reality? Whether it's the pandemic, whether it's, it's social unrest, whether it's the economy, whether it's, it's, it's the strain it's putting on your family, whatever it is, it's, it's hard to find joyful thoughts. And so that's why I'm looking forward to this sermon series through Philippians. We're, we're going through a, a new sermon series. It's called Finding Joy. And it was a, a few weeks ago that we were kind of planning out, all right, what's next? We like to plan, you know, a long ways out, but lately it's like, we don't know what's going to happen next week, so we can wait to find out what we're going to preach on next. And, and Pastor Bill said, why don't we preach through the letter to the Philippians and call it Finding Joy? Because in this letter, Paul's letter of the Philippians, he mentions joy 16 times in this short letter and even in the midst of some very difficult circumstances. And so as we walk through this letter, we're going to find the secret to joy no matter what's going on outside of us, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in the news, no matter what's going on in all circumstances, we're going to find joy. So let's, let's open up to the, to the opening introduction. This is how a, a, a letter in the first century would have sounded. So Paul is identifying that he, he's writing this. He says, Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people, believers, saints, people who are holy in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. So they have church leaders in this church that Paul started. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul identifies himself as the writer of this letter. And he's writing to people in Philippi. And the reason he's writing to them and the reason he's not in person leading them in worship and, and preaching to them in person is because Paul is in prison. He's in a Roman prison. And this is not a place that you would probably find joy. In the first century, if you're in a Roman prison, um, they're not taking care of your needs. You're not getting three square meals a day. You're in isolation. You're all by yourself. And especially as Paul is this worldwide missionary who's written 13 books of the 27 books of the New Testament, or, or letters, 13 letters, he loves to travel all over the world. That's his purpose to start new churches. And he's stuck in this cell. In fact, we might resonate with some of those feelings, in fact, over the last few months that you feel stuck. Almost you feel like you're in solitary confinement, right? Where you can't go out. 
I mean, this is the city of summer festivals. We, we live in Milwaukee for our summer festivals and we're not going out. We're not enjoying the things that we usually do. We feel stuck and isolated. And not just feeling stuck and isolated, but maybe a feeling of purposelessness, a feeling of hopelessness, a, a lack of joy because you, you don't know what to do next. You don't know how to help people. You don't know uh, what work is going to look like. And so there can be this feeling of, of, of sadness, of, of dread, But what we find, Paul is actually thankful and filled with joy. He is in prison. He's in a Roman prison, and he opens this letter talking about how filled with joy he is. And that's pretty surprising. This is what he says. I thank my God every time I remember you. So he's thanking God. I thank God in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with Joy. Here's the first time he mentions joy in this short letter. I said one of 16 times. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that you began a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So he says, God, I thank you. And what is he thankful for? He says, God, I thank you. Because you filled me with joy. And what fills Paul with joy? He says his partnership in the gospel. A a partnership that he has with the people in Philippi. That fills him with joy. And it was a partnership, he says, from the first day until now. So so what does he mean by that? What, What was this partnership that he had with the people in Philippi? Why would that fill him with joy? And what did it look like from the first day until now? Well, the good news is we have a little background to this letter. Um... In the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the first four Gospels about the life of Jesus. And the fifth book is the book of Acts. And the book of Acts tells us about how the early church started. And a big portion of the book of Acts is about Paul's missionary journeys and how he started these churches that he would write letters to. And so you get some background to his letter to the Galatians and the letter to the Philippians and the letter to the Colossians. And so when you turn to Acts chapter 16, you get the background of this letter to the Philippians and you find out how this partnership started. It started because he had a vision. Paul was doing missionary work on his second missionary journey, and he has this vision of a man in Macedonia who says, come over here and help us. And so he follows God's prompting, and he goes over as farther than he ever had as a missionary. He goes over to Macedonia. And and he can't find a place of worship. There's no synagogue there is where he usually started churches. He would go to the synagogue and and preach the gospel in a synagogue. But there was no synagogues. There was no places of worship. There was just a river. And by the river, there was a few women who made that their place of prayer. And when he was speaking there, there was a woman there named Lydia. She was a small business owner. She owned this business of of, of purple clothing, um, and, and, and she was from Thyatira. Her name was Lydia. And the Bible says in Acts 16 that God opened her heart to receive Paul's message. Really beautiful. God opened up Lydia's heart to receive the message. But not only did God open up Lydia's heart, but God opened up Lydia's home. 
After she became a Christian, she kind of begged Paul, Paul, you got to come over. We're, we're, you got to come over. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. We're gonna, you got to come over to our house. And that's what happened. Paul began this partnership where, where not only did she open up her home or her heart, but she opened up her home as well. They started this teamwork, this partnership, this friendship, this fellowship around the gospel. It was a beautiful thing. And then the next story is, is Paul continues to preach. And because he was preaching the gospel, he ends up in jail in Philippi. And when he's in jail, he's singing all night, singing hymns to God. And God sends this earthquake as the shackles fall off his wrist and, and the prison doors open up. And the Roman guard, the, the jailer, comes in and he sees the prison doors open and, and he believes that probably all the prisoners have left. And if he lost his prisoners, then he would be executed. And so he thought he would take matters in his own hands and that he would fall on his sword. And Paul stands up and says, don't hurt yourself, we're all here. And he's so overwhelmed by Paul's character, he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul tells this jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And God opened up the jailer's heart, but then God also opened up the jailer's home. And then the, Paul, the prisoner, goes to the jailer's home and he starts to take care of his wounds and feeds him a meal and they start this friendship, this partnership. And that's how it began. That's how the church in Philippi began. But it continued in a per partnership. He said, from this day until now. Um, what's happened more recently is the, the church in Philippi heard that Paul was in prison. And they were so concerned about their dear Paul that they sent a man named Epaphroditus. So if you're looking for the name for your next child, Epaphroditus, that's a good one, right? Epaphroditus, um, he... He is sent with a gift to Paul because, again, in a Roman prison, you're not getting three square meals a day. You're not, no one's taking care of your needs. And they send over Epaphroditus. And really, the whole book of Philippians is really a thank you letter to the Philippians, thanking them for sending Epaphroditus to take care of his needs. And that's what Paul meant by, he says, you guys, we've been in this partnership from the first day until now where we have worked together. Not only have we shared the gospel, but we've shared our lives together and because Paul knew that even if he was in prison, he was not alone, it gave him joy. And that's probably been one of the struggles that we've been going through in the last three months is the isolation. Uh, one of the, the worst, most difficult feelings that we can have is shame when people leave us, when people walk away from us, when people distance themselves from us, when we feel alone and all of our routines of getting together with people that love us and care of us, all this, this partnerships that we have in our life, so many of them have been strained and pulled apart. Even our, our, our normal routines of worshiping together, we feel all alone as we're, we're tucked behind a screen for the last three months, watching worship, wondering if anybody else is watching. But I have good news. God has continued to build his church together even during the pandemic. Look at what God is doing. You, you who are worshiping online, look at that chat room number. There is a group of people that you might be, feel alone as you're watching this service, but you're not alone. There's a whole group of people who are your partners in the gospel. They share in the same belief that you have. And, and it's okay right now if you want to give them a shout out and encourage somebody online in that chat room to build each other up to know that you are not alone. God is gathering a group online 
partners together in this gospel. And you who are here, it is so good to see you here. <laughs> it, you know, these are your partners. These are your, this is your family. Th- this is the group that you are not alone. God is still gathering a group of believers around his gospel. And when you realize that you are not alone in this, you are not alone in this, that can give us joy, that God is still gathering his church together. God is still gathering his people together. And then, Pil- then Paul goes on to validate this feeling. Verse 7, he says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. I'm, I'm, it's not just wishful thinking. It's not just, you know, the power of positive thinking. It's right for me to feel this way. It's right for me to feel joy since I have you in my heart. And whether, you know, whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So he says, you know, this is right for me to feel joy because we have this, we have this relationship. We have a relationship that is beyond location. So whether I'm in chains, he says, whether I'm locked up, and you're back in Philippi, or I'm out there preaching with you, we have something that bonds us together that's bigger than our location, that's bigger than where we live. And what does he say? Because you all share in, the God, in God's grace with me. It doesn't matter where our location is. It doesn't matter where we're worshiping from. It doesn't matter what's pulling us apart physically. What what binds us together, what gives us this partnership is that we all believe in God's grace. We believe in the story that, that yes, all of us are broken people. None of us are better than anybody else, but all of us are more loved than we could possibly imagined. We're more messed up and sinful than we like to admit, but we're more loved and accepted than we could possibly imagine by God's grace. And that's what binds us together. And I just love how, how timely that is. Paul is saying, you know, I can have this joy whether I'm in chains and separate from you or whether we're together. And we can have this joy whether as a congregation of, you know, over 600 people, whether we're separated on, on our digitally, whether we have to separate even when we come in this building, it doesn't matter on our location. What binds us together is not our physical location. What binds us together is the message of God's grace, is our faith, that we all believe here in God's story, that the, the real story of history is not what you watch on the nightly news. The real story of history is this, that God created a good world, that human beings, every single one of us, have walked away from God, that God chose the nation of Israel, and through the nation of Israel, he's given us Jesus, and Jesus came and lived the life that humans were supposed to as the, as the God-man. He lived the life we were supposed to, died on the cross to pay for all of our sins, rose again to prove that you are forgiven, and now you receive this message by grace, and he's coming back again. This world is headed toward a happy ending. He's coming back again to make all things new. That's the message that binds us together. That's what what holds us together. That's what brings us joy, that we are unified around this message. And it doesn't matter what circumstances you're in, that you can hold on to that 
to the end. I'm reading a fantastic book right now, um, The Hiding Place by Corey Tenboom. I don't know if you've read it. I just would encourage everyone to read that book. Corey Tenboom is she is a um, she's a, a Dutch woman uh, who during the Nazi occupation of Denmark she's hiding um, Jewish people behind her wall above her father's uh, watch shop. And finally, they get caught, and she gets sent to prison in solitary confinement. And, and somehow she was at least given the four Gospels to read, and that gave her some hope. But she still felt very depressed that she was isolated in solitary confinement. Well, she called it a huge blessing when the soldiers left to celebrate Hitler's birthday, because then they could talk to one another. And in solitary confinement, she was able to finally speak to the people next to her and they would encourage one another and let each other know that they're not alone. In fact, she got the message passed on to her that her sister was still alive a few um, cells away. And that's what it's like for us. We might feel isolated. We might feel alone. And we've come here to encourage one another, saying you're not alone. We have this partnership in the gospel. We, we all believe this together. We believe in a good story with a happy ending. And God is in the middle of all of this. We're coming together to enjoy that partnership. And so that's our, our main takeaway here is God is gathering this group around the gospel. That's what Paul is telling us in this that God is gathering this group around the gospel. No matter where we are worshiping from, no matter if it's online or in person, what, what binds us together, the partnership that we have is built on this, that God is gathering a group around the gospel. Now Paul ends this section with a prayer now. He began saying, I, I thank God that we are together. We're at different locations, but we're together on this message with the gospel. We have this partnership. Uh, I'm not alone. I'm not isolated. I, I have this group of people, this team around me. Uh, so he began by thanking God. And now he ends by, by praying for the Philippians. Verse 9. He says, now this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. Paul is saying, you know, you guys are known for your love. You're known for being a loving congregation. You, you, you open your home to me, Lydia. You open your home to me, Jailer at Philippi. Um, you, you've sent Epaphroditus. You're known for your love, but now I want you to abound in love. Take what you're good at and take it to the next level. Abound in love. And when you abound in love, I want it to be a love based on knowledge and insight. Not just a, a superficial love, but a love that comes from having your life rooted in the gospel, rooted in God's word. And that would be my prayer for us as well. My prayer is this. I think this is the takeaway. Grow in your commitment to one another. Grow in your commitment to one another. I think we're known as a, as a, as a friendly church. We really work hard at that. But we don't always, for whatever reason, all the different reasons, we're not always a church of friends. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. We're spread out. So many new people coming in. Uh, we're a large congregation. And that's what I think God is calling us to, to continue to be committed to one another. Uh, let your love abound more and more. And that's going to take us being vulnerable with one another, to be honest with one another, 
to sacrificing our time for one another, to get to know one another, to get to know the names of other people. It's going to take time to grow in our love for one another because we're in this together. Let us grow in our commitment to one another. And we need to be committed to one another more than ever because we're divided right now as a nation. Uh, we're, we're divided because of this pandemic. You know, we're, we're, we're have to practice social distancing. My, my wife is getting ready for our teaching next year. And, and so she's reading all these teacher articles. And, and, and what some teachers are saying is we need to drop this term social distancing. Because we don't need to be socially distanced. We need to call it physical distancing. We need each other. We're not made to be apart. We need each other. So we need to figure out how to continue to be together, whether it's online or, or whatever. We've got to connect with one another. We might be um, physically distant, but we sure cannot, we cannot survive being socially distant. And the gospel brings us together. We can partner in the gospel because we, we don't have to pretend that we're better than we are. We don't have to put on a show for the people. We don't have to put up walls. We can confess that I'm as broken as you are. I'm as messed up as you are. I need as much as work as you are. But we have this thing that binds us together. We might like different football teams. We might have different uh, uh, beliefs on, on politics. We have so many other differences. But, but we believe in the gospel. And so that binds us together as people. What divides us, you know, we, we have right now uh, this political divide. Where everything, you put something out there for 15 minutes and it's got to fall into one or two categories when it comes to politics. But what binds us together is gospel is that, that we believe in King Jesus. And because Jesus is our ultimate king, we can come together. We might be, you know, we're divided racially as a nation, but, but the gospel brings us together because what God's vision for the church is a, a church of a multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-background, multicultural group of people. You get to Revelation, he says that God sees, or John sees in heaven, a group from every nation, tribe, language, and people worshiping around the throne, that Jesus brings all people of all backgrounds together around the gospel. And that's what we need right now, to grow in our love for one another, to grow in this partnership, because Paul says that partnership will bring you joy. We are not made to be isolated. And so God is gathering a group together around the gospel. Now, as I think about those nightmares as a child, I think one of the reasons I had nightmares is because, you know, as a boy, you spent all day, I was spending all day with my friends. I lived on this dead-end road, and all day long I was surrounded by people. But then when night came, it was the first time that I was all alone. And the lights went out, and I was all by myself, and that can be scary. And I think that's one of the reasons that, that, that we really struggle to find joy right now is because of the isolation. All by ourselves, and we seem like we're just in this dark world where there's going to be no light. But I want you to see the joy of what God is doing right here. Right here in person and online, God is gathering a group around the gospel to remind you, you are not alone. You have brothers and sisters who believe the same thing, who worship the same God, who God is putting together, binding together. And because you're not alone, you can be filled with joy. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to look beyond our location, be beyond where we are physically, and help us to see with what Paul saw, 
that your church is this incredible partnership of believers throughout the world and throughout our communities that are, are bound together under the grace of God. So often we might, be, we might be feel isolated and alone. We, we, we see people's backs instead of their faces. We feel estranged from family and friends. Lord God, bring us together as a family of believers. Help us to learn to be devoted to one another in love because we need you and we need each other. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.